0: Let's turn back together now to the book of Acts and chapter 17, and we can read once more at verse number 30. Acts 17 and at verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead, and so on. We reflected in the morning as we looked at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter three on the concept of time, and we are all so deeply conscious of the fact that we are bound by time, and time runs on with us, and. So often in time runs so fast that we uh, forget that uh, things are, are happening around us and we forget the distance that there is between where we are and where we have been. And we saw the way in which the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes speaks of the way in which there is a time for every matter under the sun and for the way in which God has made everything beautiful in its time. In other words, there is a God-appointed time for everything, and it is for us to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives to us. Uh, And we saw the way in which in this book of Acts, we have in chapter 2 the time of the birth of the New Testament church, we saw the way in which we have in that same chapter the beginnings of the growth of the New Testament church, and when we come to This section of the book of Acts, we are seeing a particular development in recent chapters. There is a change in personnel, and there is a change of direction. And we see from chapter ten and eleven that the development is such that the gospel is no longer just for those who are the covenant people of God. That the gospel is going beyond. The children of Abraham according to the flesh those who whom Peter was addressing in chapter 3 the gospel is going beyond them to all the nations of the earth that is a significant development in the movement of the gospel that embraces what we're reading here in these chapters and that in actual fact also embrace where we are together this evening that God purposed a salvation that was not national, but that was universal. And that was going to reach to every corner of the earth, as God said to Abraham, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And we see that in that development, there is a man, Saul of Tarshish, the greatest enemy of the gospel, who met Jesus on the road to Damascus and who became the Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, and Jesus saying to Ananias concerning him, he is a chosen instrument to bring my name to the Gentiles for the furtherance of this great development that is this man, Paul. A marvelous unexpected change. Peter needed a vision from heaven to get him to embrace this very moment. It was something unimaginable, unthinkable, that God would go to other people. And because of that, we find Paul in Athens, that great city of the center of a literature, of philosophy, of science and of rhetoric, that great center of learning and that great center as it was also of idolatry and of paganism with its great temples and all of its idols. We see Paul going in there and reasoning in the synagogue and teaching and preaching them Jesus and the resurrection, his resurrection from the dead, and so being charged with what he was saying, he is standing in the Areopagus, that place of judgment, where he is being tried for what he's is saying with regard to the gospel, and there he uses that opportunity to turn the tables actually and to present the gospel to them. And tonight we want to look at these verses but the wider context as well and to think of time and the urgency of repentance. What I think first of all of the transcendence that is to say the supremacy of the supernatural living God. And we see Paul in this place and we see at verse number 22 that he is seeing that they are in every way religious. Their hearts are filled with religion, with a desire to to worship and to worship these idols around them. They, They are lifted up with the fear of of these idols that they are worshipping. We speak of the fear of God as we worship the true and living God, but they are that fear of the pagan gods that were resembled in these idols. And Paul, the the master of connecting with these religious people, he spots amongst all of the idols, he spots uh, an altar with this inscription To the unknown God. There was a great statement in the very midst of the pagan worship that highlighted the fact that they didn't know the gods that they were worshipping. They were ignorant of what they were doing. They were mistaken into worshipping these idols made by their own hands. They had no idea in their minds as to what they were doing they lacked knowledge of the true God of the law of the true God and of salvation and Paul uses that opportunity to proclaim the true and living God to them and it is there that we see the transcendence of God and as always, that we notice two particular things that Paul highlights as he proclaims to them the only true and living God. We see, first of all, the supremacy of God. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul brings their attention to the only true and living God, and he brings out the truths of the word of God without at any time quoting the scripture. The master of presenting to them the truths of the gospel without actually Referencing them in the word of God but, and as we read of the way in which the supreme God is the creator of the ends of the earth we know that Paul is coming to them and proclaiming exactly to them that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that this God is the Lord who created the heavens and the earth and the God who holds everything in his hands he is that supreme creator that is presented in the Bible and he's drawing their attention away from their own idolatry to take note of this living God who is the creator of the ends of the earth and at the same time who sustains life in the world. And they are coming to their pagan gods as if their pagan gods depended on what they gave to them. And Paul is saying that is not the case with the God that you do not know that I am proclaiming to you. He has no need of anything from you. He is the God who sustains life, who upholds life, who is outside of life, and yet breathes life into everything that we have in this world. And such a supreme God with the background of the words that Solomon spoke to God when he built the temple, when he said, "The heaven of heavens cannot contain you, so what house can I build for you?" That this living God, He does not live in temples made by man. He is beyond that. He cannot be captured in that way at all. They must recognize that that when they are worshiping their unknown gods that they are drawn to do that because there is in their hearts by their very fact of creation there is in their hearts that inclination to worship and they are doing so in in a way which is outside of the truth and which is against the very thing that God has required of those whom he has created in the world. And we read Something of, of that in Romans chapter 1 that God has made himself known in his power and in his divinity in the way in which he has created the world. That his invisible attributes, that of eternal power and his divine nature, is known in the things that are seen, so that no one it's without knowledge of God. So that it is clearly seen from what God has done in creation. And that what in fact has happened is that the nations of the world have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they have made idols with their own hands whom they are worshipping. In other words, people of Athens. You have corrupted the truth of God. You have corrupted what is engraved and inscribed on your heart with regard to God. And you have corrupted that in such a way as to move away from the living God and seek to form a God with your own hands that you will bow down to and worship. Transcendence, the supremacy of God. The corruption of the human heart and the direction in which that corruption takes it. And we think of society in the United Kingdom today and it would seem that we have gone a step beyond what Paul is saying, we have gone a step beyond Corrupting and creating gods because we do not see these false gods. We have gone beyond that into the place where we have no place for God at all. Such is the depth of corruption in the society to which we belong that there is that massive departure and that space between the living and true God. And what we are doing and called upon to do in life. And how we need together. To let what God has written on our hearts. Move us back into the center. Of our life lived in dependence upon God. With the fear of God in our hearts. Because he is our creator. He is the one who gives life to us. And he has made us. To worship the transcendence of God and the supremacy of God. But along with that, there is the transcendence of God and the sovereignty of God. Do you think, people of Athens, that you are doing what you want to do, that you are who you want to be? Let me tell you that this unknown God of which you are ignorant, That he controls every detail of your lives in verse 26 and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling he has made everyone in the world not just those who fear God but everyone who lives in Athens, everyone who lives in the Roman Empire, everyone who lives in the world, he has made them all to live on the face of the earth. And in doing so, he has determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. We're back into thinking about time. He has determined the Quality of the life that they are living. He has given to them everything that they have, the allotted periods. He has set the bounds of that. He has firmly fixed in place that they should be in Athens, in the Areopagus, in this very moment at which Paul is speaking to them. There is nothing outside of his sovereign power and control. And how they must engage with that. That as they are separated from God in their practice. That they will be reminded and embrace the fact. That they are in God's plans and in his purposes and in his decrees. Having set the boundary of their city. The boundary of their home. The boundaries of their lives. They cannot move beyond the fact that God is sovereign around them in all that he does, even the boundaries of their dwelling. What a revelation for this people who are the great scientists and philosophers and the orators of the day that they are so blinded and ignorant in their minds that they're missing the basic fact and truth of human existence in the world, that God is in control and that God has determined everything. And you see what, what is happening. They are attempting the impossible, they are attempting to disconnect themselves from the true and living God and live life without him. And that disconnect sees them in practice, doing what they are doing and the way in which they are doing it. As Paul views views the city and is grieved in his heart because of what he sees, they are disconnecting themselves from God. But the reality is that it is impossible for them to do so, as it is impossible for us to do so, as it is impossible for the society in which we live to do so. He has made us, he has placed us, we are where we are, we are accountable to him, and we cannot disconnect from him. And so today, society might want to drive God out of my family, drive God out of my community, drive God out of my government, drive God out of my public square. And so much energy spent on doing that, with that drive to take God out of every influence of life. And the world is sending into chaos because the vacuum left by the God who they are leaving behind is filled with everything that is the opposite to the truth, to the structure, to the law of God that gives formation to society. Failing to recognize that we can never disconnect ourselves from God. And when we try and do that that as Paul says in, again in Romans chapter 1 that God gave them over to their sin to dishonourable passions and to the kind of low point of immorality that sometimes we see coming to the surface in our own society the transcendence of God, the supremacy of God, the sovereignty of God, how foolish we are and can become, seeking to disconnect ourselves from God, and how in subtle ways we can do that in our own personal lives, to allow us to do things that we shouldn't do, Try and disconnect to pretend that we can disengage and carry on and then come and re-engage when it suits the transcendence secondly we want to think of the transition there is a movement of stages and ages as we follow the story of the bible And when you think of the transition, Paul wants to remind them that they are made for a particular purpose. Verse 27, that they should see God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. The purpose of humankind being in the world is that they will search for God with all of their hearts, searching for that which is lost to them, searching for that which they know exists and searching for that which they know they need. It's seeking the Lord while he may be found, calling upon him while he is near. That's the purpose of them being in Athens. That's the purpose of us being in the world. And that purpose, that they might perhaps feel their way toward him and find him there is that sense of, of failure in the way in which people without God are seeking to find God in ways that God does not recognize and so it's feeling their way in the dark and I say, as I mentioned, Isaiah chapter 59 of, of a people who are saying we, we, we grope for the wall like the blind we grope like those who have no eyes and how that describes our seeking of God so often that we are feeling our way in the dark because we don't recognize the kind of God that is speaking to us we don't recognize the ways in which that God can be found or the only way in which he can be found And we sang and read that in Psalm number 14 that the Lord looks down from heaven to look upon man and to see if any understand or any seek after God. But they have all turned aside and become corrupt. Ignorance leads to darkness to feeling our way around in the darkness. And often we We can feel like that when we're looking for God. There is thick darkness and we cannot feel or find our way anywhere. There is nothing to touch. There is nothing to give us a stepping stone. It's the blindness that arises from corruption. And so there is that failure to find. And it is in that failure that we See the transition, the marvel of the compassion of God. In verse number thirty, the times of ignorance, God overlooked. What a wonder that down through the generations of ignorance that God has, Disregarded intentionally what the pagan nations were doing, disregarded their idolatry, overlooked what was happening in the world around. The God who was focused only on the descendants of Abraham physically. the God who was focused on the covenant community of Israel, overlooked what was happening in the world around him. Us, The nations continued in their paganism and in their idolatry. And this is not a wonder tonight if you are still in darkness and God has overlooked that. That he has overlooked your substitutes for God. That he has overlooked your... your, failure to to embrace the saviour that he has provided that in his compassion all of these years he has saved you from his judgment ought we not to to worship that kind of God to to marvel to, to be in awe that this supreme God should do that with your darkness and with your failure. But now, says Paul, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Let's think of of that transition. Now, there is a moment in the experience of this world that is particular in the way in which God is working. And that moment is the moment at which God has now arrived. It is the now time. And if we think of this moment like a range of mountains between two countries. And we arrive at the top of of this range of mountains. And now on the top of this range of mountains, we can look back to, to the country that we have left behind. And it is as if God himself has gone to the peak of this mountain range and he is speaking from then, from there through his servant Paul through the gospel with regard to the people who have come from the past and to are now with the gospel with the message that God gives to his people. And this mountain range time And place is a mountain range where where I think of two things. And God has has come to this mountain range through the, the sending of his Son into the world to die for our sins. And along with that, there is the glorious resurrection of the Son of God. Now, in this moment of redemptive history, things have changed forever. They have changed forever in the way in which God is working and they are changed forever in what he expects of the nations of the world. And that mountain range of the now time is here for us tonight in the gospel. It is the defining moment from which we are going to look back and also by the grace of God look forward. There is a country from which we have come And it's the country of ignorance. It's the country of corrupt hearts. It's the country of failing to see God. It's the country of feeling your way around in the darkness. But the darkness has now gone because the light has shone. And Paul is here. We see earlier he is speaking to them about Jesus and the resurrection. And he, they are saying to him, you are preaching to us two strange gods. And Paul is now saying, that, uh, that is not the case. I am preaching to you the only true and living God, whose son Jesus came into the world and having died, who is raised again, he is the son of God, he is God of himself, but the resurrection is not another God. It is the gateway, it is the access It is the stepping stone unto all that God is going to do from then onwards. And so tonight, what happens on this mountain range? What happens on this peak of the revelation of what God has said He would do? There's a command that comes from God through Paul, a command which we cannot ignore. A command to which we must give obedience. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. The repentance of which we spoke in the morning. That, that change of mind. That change of heart. What's going to cause them and you to change your mind. And to change your, your way of thinking. And to change your heart. It's to look at the mountain range and to look at the hill on which Jesus died and to look at the high point of the resurrection of Jesus. That is all you need for repentance. To look at what God has declared publicly and from there to let that light fill your mind and change your thinking so that the engine of your heart and the direction in which you are going will be reversed and will be going for the first time ever on the right path in the right way going to God. The transition. What will you do with that command? Repent. Turn around believe in the Jesus who died and the Jesus who rose again. And we need to notice that this command it's not just for a few people gathered here to worship tonight. It is a command for all people everywhere. And how we pray that all people everywhere would hear this command. That our first minister would hear it. That our prime minister would hear it. That everyone in places of authority would hear this, the command from this high point in the revelation of God for everyone everywhere to repent. And so that we might see that change from the top downwards. As well as a change from the bottom upwards. And by top downwards I mean from the high places of government in the land. That have so much influence. That they would hear this call. That God would find a way and a path. To knock on the door of their hearts. And to remind them that God would say to them. I am here. I command you to repent of the corruption of your hearts and of the way in which you have corrupted your lives and the lives of the society in which we live. And if there was that kind of transition or a transformation that would bring about in your life and in the life of the world in which we live. Let's not forget the now time. Let's not forget the command. God will no longer overlook your disobedience. In compassion, He has done so up until now. He is commanding you now to repent, to believe, to embrace. And thirdly, if there is transcendence. If there is transition there's a tribunal what is the urgency why do i need to repent because there's a tribunal round the corner i'm standing on the top of this mountain range and i'm looking back at ignorance and sin and darkness and i look forward and the god who is not far away as a tribunal, and it's not far away. And for that reason, I need to give obedience to this command. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. He fixed for the people of Athens where they were, where their homes were built, where they lived, what they did, their work and everything. God had fixed all of that. But he has also fixed this, that the day will come when they will stand before the man whom he has appointed, and they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. How do we know that he'll do that? Because, says Paul, when I stand on the mountain range of the now time, it's a place of the resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus is raised from the dead, I can be 100% sure that this tribunal is going to happen. There are no what-ifs. It's sure And it's certain, nothing in our future is sure and certain, but this certainly is. He will judge the world in righteousness. As John says in the book of Revelation, when the dead will rise from the sea, when they will come from death and come from hell and stand before the judgment seat of Christ, And when the books will be opened and when everyone will be judged according to what they have done according to what is written in the book and do you know some people who are obsessed with detail they can be painful and annoying but I can assure you tonight That God is a God of the detail. And he's not going to miss out anything of the detail of the life that you have lived without faith in Jesus Christ. Every single little detail, things that you will count as nothing, things that you haven't even noticed, it's in the ledger. And God's memory cannot be erased. His memory cannot be corrupted. Nothing can take anything away unless your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Unless you have faith in the Lord Jesus, then the book is wiped clean and your name will be in the Lamb's book of life. The tribunal. How do you think you will fare there? Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, that those who believe in me, who already believed in my words, will not come unto judgment. They are passed from death to life. Child of God, you have no fear of of judgment tonight. You see the the tribunal in front of you, but Jesus is saying, don't need to fear. You won't come unto judgment. But those who haven't believed, the tribunal awaits. And the dead who are in their graves will hear his voice. And they will rise, some to resurrection of life, and some to resurrection of damnation, time, and the urgency of repentance. Let's ensure tonight that when we stand in this critical moment and as we look forward let's ensure that God has wiped clean our past given to us a glorious future and given given to us the hope of his glory and not the fearful expectation of the thorough judgment that he will execute on all those have failed to believe in the Son. May God bless His word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we worship your name and we seek to bow humbly before you. What a great God you are and what great things you have done and how great our sin is when we refuse to believe and when we rebel against you. Oh Lord, we are thankful that your compassion is great and your love is great and your mercy is great. And so look down upon us tonight in all of your greatness, in all of these ways, and embrace our hearts and give us grace to believe in your Son and to have faith that we may live for you and live forever by the grace of God. Here our prayer, we ask, and have mercy for Jesus' sake. Amen.